Hey streamers, I'm still here out in the woods. Lake Nowhere was a bust, but there was a river flowing out of it, so I decided to follow that, see where it led me. And I have no idea where I am anymore. But I've got nothing better to do. Huh. There's, there's something in the river. Something's bubbling out there. Uh, not just bubbling. Something's coming up. I should get out of here. Look, I make it a rule not to go with any strange creatures that bubble up out of the river made out of smoke and shadow. No offense. I am the ferryman, and I have come to take you to the other side. The journey is long, and we must not tarry. The ferryman? Like Charon. Uh... I'm gonna take that as a yes, I guess. But I'm not dead. Am I? Some of you are. You are not yet. But we must traverse the Black River and make haste for all your answers. How do I know I can trust you? Okay, I guess moving forward it is then. Take my hand and come with me, but do not look into the water. Okay, I'll bite. Why? Beneath the surface lie the streams that flow through all realities. Look deeply into the abyss. And the abyss looks back. Gotcha. If you look, you may see things no man was meant to see in the bloodstream. Welcome aboard, streamers! This is episode 39 of The Bloodstream, and I am your host, Jason Gray. This is the show where I grab a random horror movie off the streaming services, give it a watch, then give you my thoughts on it. I like to say that we watch the bad movies so you don't have to, but occasionally we do bring up a gem of a movie that is worth your time. As you may have noticed, there's been a couple changes to the show. Small ones right now, but there's some stuff I'd like to do in the future. Over the last few episodes, I kinda got stuck in the woods, like I've said, and I've always been fascinated by the character of the ferryman from mythology. When I made reference to him last episode, and then you don't play the ferryman by Chris DeBerg at the end of it, I just kind of kept listening over and over to the music and it kind of felt the symbology of the ferryman really works well with everything else I got going on with this show. And I really like that opening riff of the song, so I'm like, you know what? That's our new intro music. 
and we're bringing in the ferryman to carry me across the bloodstream and join me on this journey through really randomly bad movies. I don't know how much of a presence he's gonna be right now, but I'm sure the ferryman will let me know. I don't work for a scale. We'll figure that out after the show, okay? Whatever. This is what I have to deal with, people. But as you know, I've done a couple episodes where I talk less about the movie in specifics and get a little more vague. I've always been trying to drive more towards that, but it's hard for me to break my old style and get to more generalities and a more normal review. I'd like to drag myself kicking and screaming there, but sometimes the jokes are just too good and I get stuck in the minutiae of it all. Also, I'm kind of tempted to do a thing where I give streaming news about what's coming to the services and stuff like that. And something I would really love to do is bring on some guests with something they found on streaming that's either really bad or really good and have them come on and talk about stuff. This is all stuff for the future that I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I have hope and if anyone's listening and wants to come on the show, reach out. I'll give all that information later and you probably already know it if you're a fan of the show. So that's everything going on with the show aside from this specific episode. If you've been paying attention, this episode's running a little late. I apologize for the delay, I do like to get it out every Friday, and I was doing really good on sticking to that schedule, and I'm gonna get back to it. But after I first watched today's movie, something wasn't sitting right with me. My notes on the start of the movie were extra grumpy, really, really nitpicky, and with my feeling at the end of the movie, I kind of felt like, you know what, I'm being a little harsh on this movie, I think I really need to give it another go. Maybe I was just having trouble getting into it, maybe it's because I'm starting and stopping things to take notes, stuff like that. Maybe I was just sitting down in a bad mood looking for reasons to be annoyed. Whatever it was, after the movie was done, I kinda realized something's not right here, something's not working. I gotta go and give this a second watch. Maybe even drag some friends along, get some fresh eyes, and get a second opinion on it. So thanks to Casey and T for sitting down and watching this with me and letting me just sit back and watch the movie without being in full note-taking mode. I don't like doing too many viewings for episodes of this show because that can get time-consuming, and it defeats the entire purpose where I find something randomly and give you my first impressions on it. But for this one, it felt important to take that step back and pause and consider what I was saying. Most of my notes remain unchanged. It was just that opening five minutes of the movie where it, it was really tough for me to get into things. Then it took a little bit of time to do some rewriting, and while there's not a lot of changes I made, but if there's any weirdness that comes up in what I say because the two drafts don't quite match up, that's why, and I just didn't catch it while I'm talking. And wow, with all that out of the way, you know what I haven't mentioned yet? The name of the actual movie. For this episode, I watched The Body Tree. Now, I should disclose up front that I have a kinda sorta friendship with one of the people in this movie, Emma Dumont. And when I say kinda sort of friendship, I mean I've said a few things to her online and she's reacted back. No big deal, but she knows who I am. Now, I wasn't aware of any of that when this movie first came on my radar. I added it to the list, I was gonna do it, and then I saw who was in it. And I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. This little fact does have a strong chance of coloring my perceptions and opinions on what's about to be said. Or, who knows? I might think it's utter garbage and completely torpedo a friendship. Let's find out together, starting with the trailer for The Body Tree. Welcome to my home! I'd rather be in the bombs. 
that ceremony that he started acting all crazy. And you want to trust Peter instead of your own friends? My friends. What if that's not what you are? Was that a threat? Or is the threat coming now? About what you did to Kara? All those girls? So, what do we do? Do we draw straws to figure out which one of us we kill first? <laughs> the thing that bugs me the most about that trailer is the overpowering music over the dialogue. There's actually interesting stuff in there, but Good luck figuring it out over that, right? Well, since that trailer is a bit of a mess, let me give you the synopsis. And yeah, I kind of felt the trailer for then synopsis felt a little more natural. Who knows? It's transition time 39 episodes into the bloodstream. When a group of Americans travel to Russian Siberia to honor the memory of their murdered friend, they uncover a plot that threatens all their lives. That's actually really vague and doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. So let's just dive right into this. The movie opens up, duh, in Russia, and we watch as a pair of cars are driving through Siberia, one of which has a professor in it, and he's kind of giving the information on the area, talking about the people, the Altai, and their culture, giving some information on their spiritualism and some bad juju that happened because their beliefs weren't respected. All of these people are on their way to visit the family of a friend who was brutally murdered a year ago, I believe, as a bit of um, the best cultural equivalent I can give that Americans would understand is a wake. But it's going to be in observance of the Altai culture celebrating her family's culture and beliefs. So a wake isn't really the best word for it, but it gives you an idea of what you would be in for. Finally, they arrive at their destination, and one of the first things we see inside the house is a wall filled with axes and shovels and other assorted tools of the trade of whatever these people do out in the woods. Chekhov would be proud, especially since this is a movie celebrating the culture of some Russian people, so stick in a Chekhov's wall. The girls and the professor are wandering around outside taking in some of the local scenery and getting a feel for the property, and they come across a tree covered in ribbons, which 
which gets explained culturally in the first clip. It's a tree of spirits. In our culture, we believe that the distance between the living and the dead is not that far. And some spirits choose to remain here. So people hang ribbons. As a sign of respect and to make a wish. What do you really want in life? They keep looking around, find a small cabin, and it's got a bunch of photographs of Kara up on the wall. And one of the photographs has some people they recognize, including themselves, and this was kind of where I was starting to get grumpy with the movie. They were throwing a lot at you, and it wasn't really feeling like it was all connected, because I wasn't into it. I didn't really know anyone yet. There are a lot of characters in this movie already. We're at 10 people, plus Kara the dead girl. And we're not that far into the movie. But it does start to make sense as the movie goes on, and if you're into it and wait for them to explain what's being shown to you, it makes more sense than I was giving it the first time I watched the movie. The narrative flow was just really strange and not clicking with me, but it wasn't as bad as I first thought it was. There's still some issues with the storytelling here, but I was really, really getting into the thing and nitpicking the heck out of it, and that wasn't fair. Uh, right, actual story. There's also a strange symbol drawn on the ground of the cabin, and things like that are never good. We finally get some much-needed exposition, and they explain that Kara was killed by the guy in the photograph that everyone recognizes, and he is the brother of Alice, who doesn't believe that he actually committed the murder because he was in love with her, they were dating at the time. Like I said, there's a lot of characters in this, some of them aren't even in the movie proper, and a lot of various connections between them. It, it was a lot to take in. And I feel like it could have been a little more nuanced than worked out than what they gave us. Everyone gathers for dinner at a long table outside, and all the Americans are suitably creeped out when they find sitting at the head of the table is an effigy of Kara. This movie already has a whole ton of signs of nope and get the fuck out. But at the same time, it's another culture, they don't understand it, and they're kind of trying to sit there and take it in and not be American dicks about it. The professor though is really fascinated by all this because as they established in the car ride up, he knows a lot about the Altai culture and is fascinated by them. But everyone else around the table is quietly and internally screaming. Meanwhile, Kara's brother Piotr is off in the cabin doing his shamanistic rituals to get everything prepared. But he eventually comes to collect them and get the ritual started in the next clip. Kara's mother. Father. I thought you said her family wanted us to come out here. A week after Kara's body got shipped from the States, her parents' car got... It went off a mountain cliff. I am family. Kara, my sister. Why are we out here? He's asking for permission to call upon the dead in the presence of the living. In the empty grave? It must be Kara's. We just haven't put her in it yet. We believe that the ground is for those who found peace. The sky is for those who are still searching. 
After ceremony, we bury my sister. Where is she now? Come. Piotr shows them where Kara is by taking them past the tree in the woods, where Kara is just in her coffin, up in the branches behind the tree, just chilling and relaxing and waiting to be buried in the ground, and from there they head to the cabin. They gather around the effigy of Kara, which has been placed in the center of the symbol drawn on the floor. And since the movie explains the ceremony way better and more concisely than I ever could, I'm already gonna jump to our next clip. Take your hands, please. Because Kara was killed in an act of violence, her soul has remained in a state of confusion, trapped between the two worlds, begging for peace. The shamans call it the Black Sky Ceremony. It allows the feelings you have for Kara to flow out, and the love you have for her becomes like a light to guide her soul from the darkness. The ritual begins, Piotr dances around the circle, banging on a drum, doing his chanting, and it all seems perfectly fine and normal for that sort of thing. Until the doll starts to rise in the air, and I don't think that's holy shit, it's bursting into flames. And throughout all this, while everyone's surprised they're actually seeing what the fuck they're seeing, the professor is just overjoyed and smiling and really into all this. I except for the part where it crashes to the ground and explodes into fire. Piotr tries to put a positive spin on things, but the professor knows he has no fucking clue what's going on and has never seen anything like this before and he explains a little bit of the Altai beliefs of layers of heaven and hell going in both directions, and how when you open a gateway to the spirit realm, well, as Hawkeye says, doors swing both ways. Not if I can help it. In theory, everyone splits up to try to get some sleep, but instead we spend some time with them trying to process the high levels of what the fuck is going on. One of them even comes out and says he is very, very concerned about the people they're staying with. But apparently he's not so concerned that he still can't find some time to have some sex. We get a flashback dream nightmare to the night Kara was killed and the party that everyone was at, kind of setting up where everyone is and getting our red herrings all in a row. And there is certainly enough weirdness going on there that yeah, I can see why someone would say that Brandon is not the murderer because there's a lot going on there. Alice wakes up from the nightmare and discovers that Sandra has heard a noise somewhere. They don't find anything, and so they decide to go out in the middle of the night to the wishing tree and make a few wishes on Kara's behalf. Because that's what you do when you're hearing strange noises. Go out into the middle of the woods. While they're out there, Sandra thinks she hears another noise and man, she sure is jumpy. But this time it has to be warranted as someone jumps out of the forest, dressed in the shaman costume, and chases them through the woods. So they get chased through the woods for a bit, Alice falls into a hole, which turns out to actually be one of several open graves dug in the forest, and eventually run their way back to the house. Just as the guy in the shaman getup is about to grab Sandra, 
everyone else comes out running because of the screaming, tackles the masked figure to the ground, and stabs him in the back with a screwdriver. They pull off the mask and reveal it's... I have no fucking clue because there's so many goddamn characters in this movie and I don't know who half of them are. The guy's name is Dan and I kinda got into who he was but like I said, a lot of people, a lot of don't care. Seriously, I could've used some better introductions in this movie. Oh, and don't worry about those graves out in the woods. Those are just for effigies of all the people here to keep Kara company in the afterlife. Yeah, that sounds safe. Weirdness happens for a bit, they drag Dan to the house, they tie him up because they don't want him going after anyone else, they leave the screwdriver in his back because they don't want the blood burning out everywhere and having him die on the sofa, and Piotr decides to do his best with the help of Sergei to fill everyone in on what happened in the ceremony and set up the actual plot for the movie in the next clip. <laughs> During this ceremony, your your love for Kara should have been manifested as a as a good guiding spirit. If there is darkness, if there is hate, and that too can then the ceremony releases that too. Right. How do you mean hate? For Kara. We call it Kurum, but you may have a different word for it. Demon. So the ceremony created an evil twist. It cannot create. It can only take the bad that is already inside of you. So you're blaming us for what happened to Dan? Why would you do something that risked our lives? How I know. You all. Friends of Kara. Yes? Yes. 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 All friends? Yes. 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 All love Kara? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. One of you kill Kara. You kill my sister. Only if a person who killed Kara was at the ceremony can a demon like this be released. And it needs a body. A host. Yeah. And Dan is that host? Dan die. Kirum go out. Into new body. You? Or you? Or you? It can possess anybody apart from the person whose evil helped to form it. Kara's real killer. Only this killer safe. Come the fuck on, bro. I told you all it wasn't Brandon. And this proves it, this half-assed shaman? Yeah, that's not really grounds for an appeal. You don't understand this culture, okay? The power that these entities have. Dan had some sort of psychotic breakdown. No, 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 no. Altitude, no sleep. Guys, maybe he just had a trauma reliving. This truth, truth. The truth is that you're lying. Okay, I don't know why yet, but our friend's dying? Well, you're fucking wasting time. We gotta get to a car. You have one? Siroga. Where is it? It's in the shed. Take the path along the graves. Can you drive sick? Yeah, I do. Okay, you two go get the car. Hey, you're not running things here. Understand? Mmm, sure do love that healthy dose of cultural respect. America. 
while some of the group go to get the car ready, which begs the question of they drove up here, what happened to their cars? Did I miss something? Eh. But while two of the guys go to get the car ready, more arguing continues on what they're going to do next. Piotr doesn't want to let them leave because it risks the demon escaping out into the world. So they basically have two options. Either the murderer confesses and the demon no longer has a reason to stick around after a ritual is performed, or they kill the killer and that releases the demon. Oh, and while all this arguing is going on, demon-possessed Dan has gotten up, undone the ropes because whoever tied him up is the worst knot-tire in the history of knot-tires, and pulled the screwdriver from his back. He makes another attempt to make the stabby, but passes out and dies from blood loss. Demons are apparently not too bright on things like this. But this is bad because now that the host body has died where they knew the demon was, it could have jumped to anyone. Piotr says everyone has to be tied up to keep everyone safe. And yeah, you tied up Dan and that worked out real well for you. Tensions continue to rise because, let's see, they're in a stranger's house, there are open graves outside, there's weird magical bullshit going on. So yeah, no one's real keen on being tied up. But meanwhile, out in the shed, the demon has found its next host in Eric, who kills the fuck out of Donnie. Sandra has snuck out during all the arguing at the house, makes it down to the shed to tell Eric what's going on, and shows up just in time to see him going to town with a hammer on Donnie's face. She's a little too busy hiding to get back up to the house and let everyone know they're not possessed, so paranoia continues to make with the yelling, until Piotr grabs a gun to make his point very clear. See, he speaks American perfectly fine. They slip in a little bit more flashback to keep the mystery going of what exactly happened that night, and Piotr makes his way to the shed to get all the missing people down there. Aristophiles senses danger, and goes looking so he's not there when Piotr shows up. All he finds is some severed body parts, Donnie's hanging body, and a scared Sandra hiding in the corner. Piotr also disables the car because he's realized the demon is trying to make them afraid, so they'll run to the city to get help and let the demon escape with them, and then it will be free to go on a stab spree across the country. While everyone tries to figure out who killed Kara, Sander escapes and runs off into the night, because that's the smart play. She also believes she can't be the killer for reasons that they say but aren't really clear, and the rules are a little dodgy here, and even on a second viewing it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and doesn't work with what they've already said. Eric Cthulhu shows up to the house to start breaking windows and make them even more scared because tensions were starting to wind down and he needs to ratchet that back up. Piotr meanwhile runs off to try to find Sarah and stop her from escaping just in case she does carry the demon with her. The paranoia starts building back up, people grab some stuff off of Chekhov's wall so yay, and suddenly Eric who found some time to replace Dan underneath the sheet they placed him under during all the confusion sits up from under the sheet and hatchets Sergei in the back. Everyone scatters to the four corners of the property, and the girls end up in a rundown shack, which is where they're keeping all the effigies in wooden coffins for their later burials. Oh, and they also get a fun surprise when they discover that this is also where the demon hid Dan's dead body. Eric shows up, Peter shoots him away with a shotgun, and the girls run to the cabin where everyone else is. Things are escalating in the cabin as Rez starts blaming the perv Fesser, for killing Kara in the next clip. There were plenty of girls. 
plenty of girls who woke up in your bed not remembering what happened, weren't there, Professor? Is that true? It was fucking crazy. Look at his wrists. Oh. Look. Look what I did to myself. Look. But it's not me who is sick. It is you. It is you. It is people like you. I didn't kill Kara. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. You did enough, though. Oh, whoa, whoa. Give me the gun, Rez! No, 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 no! This does not end unless we end it here now. Shoot the fucking Stop. door. Stop! The person on the other side of that door is just paying the price for what one of us did, right? Shoot the goddamn door. What do you think? Shoot the door? Shoot the door? Or shoot someone else? No, 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 Or maybe I shoot myself. It's what you want. What the fuck are you talking about? Pull the trigger. Just pull the trigger, man. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, Kara's sending a message. Rez, you listen to me before you get us all killed. Don't you want to be free? Shut the fuck up, Jeff! Rez? Kara's spoken. <laughs> No, you were right. I was not very good at suicide. Murder, on the other hand, he seems to have down pat. Convinced he's killed the right person that needed killing, Rez leaves the cabin and is promptly murdered by Piotr. The presumably possessed Piotr proceeds to push into the cabin, and everyone runs. He corners them at a ledge, Helen shoots him, and the shell game continues. Everyone is confused, including myself, as they argue about who to shoot next, and eventually the wheel of death lands on Helen shooting Mike. But then Alice steps up and shoves Helen off the cliff, and we get Kara washing blood off her hands, and she explains her motivations behind killing Kara in the final clip. Everyone knew Brandon's jealousy. They knew they'd all accuse him. He was gonna leave me and start another life, but now he'll always need me. I just didn't want to lose him. And that's what you do when you love someone, right? So that's pretty much the end of the movie. Except, oh yeah, Sandra. During the course of all this, she stumbled down a hill, got injured in the leg, chased a little bit by Piotr, but at the end of all things, we see her making her way down to the small encampment of villagers that we saw way at the start of the movie, and as she gets nearer to the people, we see her eyes turn black and know the demon has been loosed upon the world. And that, fellow streamers, was the body tree. So this movie is not without its problems. It has a lot going on. There's a ton of characters that aren't very well introduced, and I quite frankly don't care about. There's a few, I'm interested in the narrative, I like the Russian guys, and while yes, my initial thoughts were really harsh on the start of the movie, they do kinda drop you into the deep end and wait for you to catch up. The acting is pretty decent in this, except for 
This movie is in love with the sound of its own plot. There is a lot of monologuing and I wish they had cut some of that down. The first time I watched this, I really liked how they were using a culture we don't see a whole lot of here in American movies and using that to build a mythology on and give us something a little different that we haven't seen before. But the second time I watched it, I kind of realized that while we were using the basis of another culture, it was building up a story that is very familiar and I'm sure you can think of half a dozen movies that follow the exact same plot I just told you. There's nothing wrong with that and I still like seeing it through a completely different lens. And that was an enjoyable ride. So the good news is, I didn't hate this movie, my friendship with M is secure. But just in case, I want to say that I started noticing that she was doing a whole lot more acting than is probably required by this sort of movie. And I get the impression that the director started noticing this too, because every time they needed a reaction, they would cut to Emma, and she was doing some absolutely wonderful eye acting and reacting. And it just went above and beyond what you would normally see in this sort of thing. This isn't a great movie, it is an above average movie, and while there is some familiar stuff, it's also through a different lens that we don't see very often. So I would absolutely say this is worth checking out, just don't expect to see the next great horror classic, because it's not that. But it is a perfectly acceptable movie that does a few things right, a few things wrong, and is a fun ride for 90 minutes. So you have been listening to The Bloodstream, and since I haven't done it in a while, I want to give a shout out to Kevin McLeod, who does our now end music of Baba Yaga, and you can find all his stuff at Incompetech.com. As you have been listening to, the background noise for this is something different, and it's something I've been fiddling with. This is an existing song that has been heavily tweaked and stretched and pitched and played around with, and you know what? I'm not going to tell you what it is because I kind of like leaving this mystery of what is that spooky background noise. But I will say this, it is something that does reference the content of this movie, in a way. And every week I'm going to try to do something like that. I will find a song that has something to do with whatever I'm watching, do what I do to it, drop it in the background, and, well, no one's going to notice or care but me. Does that mean all our old music is done and gone with? No, absolutely not. I'm still gonna drop those in from time to time where I see they're appropriate, or if I see a fun opportunity to change up the music here or there. And as you can hear right now, I'm keeping the soulless music that plays out during my final thoughts. Cause I like that stuff. So thank you for listening to episode 39 of The Bloodstream, and I'd like to leave you with these words of wisdom. When you're going off into the middle of nowhere, please do your best to respect local traditions. It just might save your life. Take care, and keep streaming. If you've enjoyed listening to me yell at a movie for 30 minutes or so, don't forget to subscribe on Google Play, Apple Music, and many other podcast directories. 
Just search for The Bloodstream. We're the podcast that's not about medicine. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review. It only takes a moment of your time and is a big help. You can also find us on Facebook where I keep people updated on what's going on with the show or on Tumblr at thebloodstream.tumblr.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or just have a movie you'd like me to check out, you can leave me a message at any of those places or send me a message directly at phoenixfoenix at gmail.com. That's Phoenix with an F. Thanks for listening. Ha 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 ha!